Welcome to a very special episode of the Four Seasons of Epic Fantasy with our very special guest, Gamma Ray Martinez. Yay! Yay! Oh, God. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I'm Thomas. I'm Leah. I'm Gamma. I'm Jeremy. All right. So today we've got uh, my friend Gamma over here. I met him. Actually, we met like five years ago at a Brandon Sanderson book signing for mm-hmm. Oathbringer. Do you remember that? Yes. Uh-huh. Through a mutual friend. So I was there with my friend Kelly, who was friends with somebody you worked with at the aquarium. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was a while ago. Yeah. That line was huge. There was like 3,000 people there. Wow. That wow. is huge. Wait, you worked at the aquarium? Uh, I volunteer there. Awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Did... What do you do at the aquarium? We'll, we'll start with that. <laughs> we were going to ask what you do for fun. Now I want to know what you do at the aquarium. Yeah. Um, I go and I clean the shark tank or in the South America area, I clean the river giants. So uh-huh. wow. I've gone in the penguins too, but it, I haven't done that one in a while. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And didn't you just recently do like a, what was it, a, a marathon of 4K? You did something. Oh, at, at Disney, yeah. I did what's called the Dopey Challenge, which is on Thursday you run a 5K, on Friday a 10K, on Saturday a half marathon, and then on Sunday a full marathon. Woo! What? That's so amazing. So you're a bit of a masochist. <laughs> Got, it. Got it. He's like, sounds like a good weekend to torture myself. I definitely <laughs> call Disney. that the Dopey Marathon. I agree with <laughs> yep, that. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Awesome. Well, now that we know what you do at the aquarium, um, one thing we I, I really wanted to get you on the podcast about, well, actually, first thing is I want to boost your signal because Gamma just recently had a book published called God of Neverland with uh, Harp, Harper Voyager. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about uh, God of Neverland and why it's amazing? I guess I can say that, too, because I read it. <laughs> um, so God of Neverland happens 20 years after the events of the original Peter Pan. Um, Peter has gone missing, and what people didn't realize is that is that Peter was essentially the guardian of the hopes and dreams and imagination of children worldwide. So now Michael Darling is grown up, and he has to go back to Neverland to help save Peter. Fun. That's very cool. Yeah. There's wow. sword fights and ghost fairies and <laughs> goblins and, or not goblins, what are they called again? Gremlins. Forgot. Gremlins. Yeah. Gremlins. We got some gremlins oh, in nice. there. Hooks, ghost. Yeah, just lots of really fun mm-hmm. stuff. I, I really, really enjoyed it. So before you were published with them, you were self-published. You wrote and published, what was it, like eight books, nine books? Um, Ten like, books? No, it's more than that. I think it was like 14. 14. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Did you do two series? Three series? Uh, three series. Three series. Barrymore, which is seven books. Uh, Goblin Star, which is four. I did two in Nylea and Chronicle, and then I did a trilogy called Oracles of Carnegie. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I read the first Goblin Star book. Uh-huh. I really enjoyed that. That one was fun. I love the mixing of... Uh, Sci-fi and fan like uh-huh. dragons in space, like it's it's pretty. I like the elves in space. This is Nova Dragon, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah. Oh, the Goblin Star, not Dragon Star. No. Book Book One is Nova Dragon. The series is Goblin Star. Book One yes. is Nova Dragon. Series <laughs> yeah. is Goblin Star. Because <laughs> that's awesome. How was your experience in uh, self-publishing? Like, how'd that go for you? Uh, it went pretty well. Like, I got a, I got a fair amount of success in there. Um, Fairmore sold a couple of thousand copies, so that went really well. Um, 
And it's just fun being able to do things that you just can't do with traditional publishing. Like um, all seven books of the Fairmore were released in a, in the space of two and a half years. Wow. So That's impressive. That, that's nice. not something you can do. I mean, I had this planned out, so I actually had the first three written before I released the first one. So, nice. you know, that gave me a little bit of a buffer. But, yeah, towards the end, it was pretty stressful. But <laughs> And how long are they each? Are they, like, they're, like, under 100, aren't they? Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they were there uh, written as upper middle grade, and they're top out at, like, 65,000. Okay, nice. Yeah. So nice. 65,000 books and, and uh, over... 65,000 words, books. yes. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be there one day. He'll get to the 65,000 soon. He wrote 65,000 <laughs> books. <laughs> Because Gamma don't care. No. <laughs> That's amazing. So what inspired your decision to go the self-published route? we got a few people on the podcast, like these two, who are... It was the idea that I wanted to release stuff relatively quickly. And also, at least for the Faramore, um, I had a seven-book series in mind. It was always going to be seven books. And that's hard to necessarily pitch to a traditional publisher. A series can transform into a seven books, but they're not just going to, right off the bat, give you a seven book contract. Uh, so that was one of the big reasons I pushed that one out. Okay, awesome. So you are traditionally published now. My question, and we're going to talk more about your, your adventures in traditional publishing, but I want to know that now that you are traditionally published, are you going to continue to self-publish other series or other books? Are you going to do both? Uh, yeah, I am planning to do both. I'm not quite sure where that line's going to be, um, but I had it in my contract with my agent that I can pick any project and not send it to her if it's going to be self-published. So, yeah, I have that avenue open, and I do intend to. I'm just not quite sure where I'm going to draw that line. All right, fantastic. Oh, wow. That's a part of the contract. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, that being said, you're now published by Harper Voyager. Can you tell us how you picked them, or did they pick you? Like, how, Tell us about your adventures in, yeah, how'd in you traditional go from, publishing. Yeah, how'd you go from self-publishing your 14 books to uh, going trad on God of Neverland? Uh, God of Neverland was always going to be a bigger project than my other one, so I had that right at the outset, and uh, my editor, David Pomerico, was a guest at the Superstars Writing Seminar, and I pitched to him, and I later found out that I was, like, one of the actual few that he requested. So I found out I'm actually really good at pitching because I thought that's what they all did because I always get a request when I pitch. <laughs> and, that's awesome. Like, I had a friend who was telling me that people were grumpy because he didn't request anybody, so I was like, well, he, he requested me. And <laughs> at first, he didn't buy it, but uh, he had um, some pretty extensive revisions, Which, but once I did those, he went ahead and bought that series and its sequel, so... That's awesome. So I need to take pitching lessons from you. <laughs> now yes. I know. Okay. <laughs> Whatever he does, do that. <laughs> I am terrible at pitching. <laughs> pitching can be scary. How did the timeline go of, because you also have an agent, right, uh -huh. of talking to David Pomerco and getting an agent, or what happened in what order? So first I submitted to him, and then we had a long phone conversation about it, and then he referred me to a specific agent who is the one that ended up picking me up. Nice. Uh -huh. wow. That's, a, that's yeah. a sweet deal. One reason you go to Superstar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you were actively pitching this book to agents, and you've never pitched any of the others. So this was your first time doing that with one of your books? Uh, no, I had pitched other projects. Um, I had tried to get an agent a couple of times. It just hadn't worked out. Um, my writing just wasn't there yet. Mm. Um, 
Um, but there are a couple that I can tend to go back to and revisit and see if I can put those out there. Awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. So what do you see your as your future in the publishing industry at this point? I am hoping to be able to do it full time. Um, hopefully at some point in the near future. I'm not there yet, but that's kind of where I'm going for. Um, I'm hoping that uh, this new release will also revitalize some of my uh, indie stuff, but I'm just seeing where things go right now. Have you noticed uh, uh, your indie stuff uh, spiking up yet? or uh, You know, honestly, I've been too busy to check. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my book was released um, just under two weeks ago, and then I was at Indiana Comic Con last weekend. So talking about common publishing advice, whether it's self or traditional, what is some common publishing advice that you might think is now out of date or doesn't really work anymore? Um, I don't know that I would say it was ever actually worked, but one of the things that you hear from, you know, mainly people who haven't published and who are trying to get it, it was like, don't you said, because, you know, you want to use exclaimed or something (laughs) like that. And, you know, don't do that. (laughs) That's terrible (laughs) advice. Um, The more common one you hear, though, is write every day. Um, Write in a schedule that works for you. Yes, you need to carve out time for it, but if it becomes a chore that you're forcing yourself to do every day, you're going to quit. Um, So that's that's really the, the big one is that's not good advice. Find what works for you. Find a schedule that works for you. I like that a lot. Uh-huh. I've, I've tried to give that advice to too many people and tried to slam that advice on myself too. Like uh, I took, I just barely took like three weeks off of writing or like a month because uh-huh. I was working on my Lord of the Rings miniatures. <laughs> 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 and it's been very fun and enjoyable uh-huh. and like creative, a creative outlet. And now this week, uh, like a couple days ago, I was like, okay, I'm ready to start going back into yeah. Editing that book again. And you probably feel a lot more refreshed uh-huh. now getting back into it. Yeah, yeah, but too many people, because they've heard that advice so often, they feel guilty if they have to do that. I mean, don't feel guilty. <laughs> you, you need it to refresh yourself. I mean, <laughs> well, and I used to wake up like two hours early uh-huh. and write in the morning. And my body has changed and it will not let me do that anymore. <laughs> I started doing that in junior year of high school. Like, in junior year of high school, I'd wake up at 4 and write oh, for two wow. hours in the morning before I went to school. I don't even know how, like, that, that sounds well, like a... Who was that kid? <laughs> yes, it is. I can't, that, I've never been there. That kid needs therapy. But <laughs> it's a Thomas Corn. It's okay. <laughs> and, and, like, lately, and I'd still been giving people the advice, well, if you don't think you have time to write, just set your alarm half an hour earlier. And I'm like, now I'm thinking... No, that doesn't work with everybody. <laughs> yeah, see, when people would say things like that to me, I'd be like, I might hit you. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing you could say. <laughs> because some people's brains just don't work. Like, I'm a night person. I am uh-huh. alert at night. When uh-huh. I wake up in the morning, I'm drooling on myself. I, I look like the dumpster I just fell out of, you know? Like, I look like trash, and I feel like trash. when it's, I'm, My brain feels like it's, it's cotton balls covered in soup. it's cotton balls covered in pudding it's disgusting that's my brain in the morning and i can't it's not until like five o'clock in the evening that the cotton balls dry out i'm like oh my gosh i can think (laughs) (laughs) like i I started noticing that it wasn't working for me anymore when i was literally falling asleep at my keyboard (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) just like this isn't working and so now i have to 
<laughs> I sometimes do it in the mornings. Like I, I don't actually write every single day anymore. Uh -huh. I write probably three days out of the week, and uh -huh. then the, I, I think I do a little bit of writing every day. But sometimes it's just fifteen minutes at lunch, uh -huh. and then some days it's like, hey, I naturally woke up an hour earlier, so I'm gonna write for an hour before I mm -hmm. go to work. I'm the most creative at about 11 o'clock at night, which is <laughs> awful because I work mornings. Uh -huh, so yeah. sometimes I, I go to bed and I lay down and I turn off my light and I'm like, I have an idea. Why do you do this to me, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I gotta yep, get up and write it down. What's that, you know, what's that so. little comic of like this person's like, ah, oh, finally going to sleep. And then the brain's like, I figured out that problem in chapter 32. And you're like, <gasps> <laughs> Yeah, that's my head every night. Uh -huh, yeah. That's why I'm tired all the time. And then you're like, oh, I'll remember in the morning. But you don't. But so you don't. You know, yeah, if yeah. you know yourself, You've you got to sit it. up and do yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> so, so, you know, going back to that being your advice, write with what works for you, mm -hmm. I don't know, that's just fantastic because, as you guys mentioned, so many people are told, you got to write every day, you got to write every day. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but if it's a chore, it's not fun anymore, and it's yeah. going to show through in your creativity. Mm -hmm, when someone feels that they have to do something, it's not as fun, and then reading it isn't as fun. Same thing goes for artists. Artists that feel that they have to draw or paint every single day, after a while, their artwork starts to look dead. Mm -hmm. It's not great, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and one thing that I've said before is that there's two kinds of work. There's inhale work and exhale work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just breathe out all the time. You can't just produce all the time. Because yeah, then you haven't, you haven't breathed. Mm -hmm. so, so I have another question for you. Is there a book or series that inspired you from the start? Who was your inspiration? That's uh, a couple. The big one is uh, the Dune series. I, I absolutely love that. Um, mm. <laughs> Delicious. Uh, he just drooled over here. <laughs> he does Dune so much. I love um, And the other one is really uh, Mistborn with Brandon Sanderson. Oh, nice. um, That's an excellent and, yeah, series. I, so good. I'm still kind of just in shock so I was on the writing excuses podcast um, I think that'll be out tomorrow um, oh nice <laughs> but um, you, you think that'll sorry it'll come out tomorrow you I said? think so yeah because awesome. I recorded it I recorded it at LTUE okay um, and like nice. Brandon was talking about how awesome this book of mine was and I was like and he was like one of the ones that I really looked up to when I was first starting this when you know I hadn't gone to any conferences and I hadn't done any of this so he was the one that I really looked up to and now his quote is on the front of my book and it's still sort of a surreal thought wow. for me that is That's so a, amazing yeah. that yeah. is really cool what does it say man? a breakneck pacing and wonderful imagination uh -huh. that's, <laughs> that's so cool yeah, yeah Brandon Sanderson's Miss Born series is probably mm -hmm. one of the first books that I ever had to put in, in book timeout. <laughs> he's that good of a writer I just I read this scene and I just closed it and I was like you sit in the corner <laughs> I, I had to walk away and come back to it like the next day <laughs> and that that's when I when I really realized that yeah he was an incredible writer so uh -huh. to be able to have a quote from him on the uh -huh. front of your book yeah. that is amazing yeah well and there is a lot of because I've even talked to people who this isn't me because I love Brandon Sanderson's writing to death, but um, <laughs> I have some other friends who don't necessarily like his writing very much, but there is a lot about how he's like run his career that's, mm -hmm. that's you know, 
good to emulate. Like, not, I mean, I don't know if we can all be that productive. Like, yeah. oops, I wrote five novels. <laughs> <laughs> now but... I'm going to run the biggest Kickstarter of all time. <laughs> Speaking of that, are you up for one next? <laughs> I, I don't know. Right? <laughs> um, but, um, like, he is he, he is committed. He is consistent. Uh-huh. Um, he writes different things to keep himself feeling fresh about uh-huh. his writing. Uh-huh. Um, he responds to his fans. He he gives them. I was about to say what they want, but he gives us what we deserve. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stay tuned for part two to hear the rest of the discussion. Uh, this has been the four seasons of epic fantasy. Check out my book, God of Neverland. Woot woot! Nice. Give us a like if you enjoyed this episode.